Well, good morning. Is it still morning? Yes, it is. Well, thanks for having me. It's been, uh, I've been really excited to be at Evangel, uh, this wonderful church. What a dynamic and awesome multicultural church you have. Praise God for that. Um, I just want you to know that I was deeply uh, moved uh, today and really inspired to see a thriving uh, congregation like yours. I can say that because I was at 33 different locations last year. And so I could, I could really honestly say that you have a dynamic and awesome church. Thank you, Pastor Chris, uh, for your leadership and uh, what you and Mandy are. Let's give them a, a round of applause. We praise God for you, and uh, thank you for the invitation. And uh, I'm so glad to be here. Um, let's go to the Word really quick. Okay, I'm running out of time already, so let's, let's get to the Word, and then we'll uh, we're going to talk about what the Lord has in store for us this, this morning. Amen. Let's turn to uh, Romans 8. Uh, we're going to read from verse 28. You're going to see a lot of familiar texts in this scripture. We're going to read all the way to verse uh, 39. And uh, we read a lot of junk in our lives. Is that correct? And so I think it's uh, important that we take time to read the Word of God. So let's Read verse 28 to verse 39. It says this. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering for that word. I would love to just drop the mic and uh, walk away, but uh, I did come here to preach, so I got to preach. And uh, how many of you were expecting somebody older when they introduced me? Raise your hand. It's okay. Confess, confess right now. Uh, you're not the only ones. When people come visit Valley Forge and they didn't check the website, they walk right by me, uh, and they greet my vice presidents, uh, thinking that they're the president because they look the part. You know what I mean? They look you know, white hair, look, look dignified. And so, but uh, like Pastor Chris said, um, how many of you know that God chooses unlikely and weak people to do his work? 
And, uh, and amen. And, and honestly, I'm going to tell you, uh, I know that there's a lot of leadership development trends in the church today. But what God is not, what God is looking for is not people who've got it together as leaders. What God is looking for is broken and weak people who will depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to lead his church. Amen. And so, um, so I'm, I'm excited to uh, be here. I did not plan to be here uh, just a couple of years ago. I had, I mean, if I, you told me that I was going to be at Evangel as a president of Valley Forest sharing with you, I, I like, you're crazy. <laughs> okay, you're crazy. Um, I grew up in Ghana, West Africa. Anybody, any, anybody from West Africa here? Awesome, awesome. Um, my parents were missionaries, and uh, so I grew up in Ghana and Tema and uh, Accra and spent some time in Kumasi. And, uh, and uh, from there, God uh, moved our family uh, to New Jersey uh, at age 13 uh, to Cliffside Park. Uh, back then, it was all Italian town. Okay, and uh, my parents were doing some missions work in Dominican Republic, and so uh, we were parked there for during middle school for two years, and uh, God led my parents to plant the church in Washington State two years later. Yes, not D.C., across the country. Okay, so can you imagine, right, a kid that grew up Asian in Africa with African English accent? living in an all-Italian town for a couple of years, and then moving all the way across the country to a high school, 600 kids, and I was one of two Asian kids for four years, right? And then from there, God, they were too good at what they did. And uh, they were able to establish a church, and God moved them to Connecticut to plant a church. And so our family moved to the East Coast, and that's when I decided to attend Valley Forge at the time, Christian College. And uh, I would thought I was in a time warp back then. Right now, Valley Forge, it, it, the economy around it is, is boomed, and it's a very different town. But back then, I, I really thought like I took a time machine and went back 10 years. Because in the 90s, they still had poofy hair at the college, and I was, like, I was like, what am I doing here? Okay, um, I remember from there, right from there, God, God, uh, God moved me on to uh, do grad work uh, in New Jersey, and then eventually did some work uh, in New York, and uh, of all the places God could have taken me, it was, God took me to Korean American Church. Look, I look Korean, I'm I'm Asian, but I'm not culturally Korean. So when I arrived, I was like, God, what are you doing to me? Okay, like I have confusion. They have confusion. I have confusion. They didn't know what to do with me. I didn't know what to do with them. They're like bowing all over the place. I'm like, I, what am I supposed to do here? Okay, um, anyway, so uh, that's my story. And, I, and, I, and for, for the most of my adult professional work, I actually built schools in Latin America. Okay, and so for almost 10 years, I spent a lot of time in Nicaragua, you know, Honduras, Colombia, Ecuador. You can hear my language. Yeah, yeah. Hablo español. Okay, okay. Okay. Porque habla español en cielo, no? Okay, uh, for those of you who don't know, Spanish is being spoken in heaven, so you better start learning. Okay, um, but anyway, uh, so this has been the story of my life, and, you know, interestingly, I planned every step of the way. I chose to live in Africa. I, 
I chose to live in an all-Italian town. And, you know, I, plan- I got everything worked out exactly as I planned. Is that right? Okay, has your life worked out exactly as you planned? How many of you know that sometimes we make choices and there are consequences? Sometimes other people make choices and consequences on us. Sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with us and we live in a broken world and things just happen to us. Is that right? Don't try to over-spiritualize sometimes these things that, are, that we live in a broken world like Job's friends. Okay, amen? So those of you who don't know what that is, you can ask around, okay? But anyway, um, I know that uh, in my own life, I've been through a lot of ups and downs, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so when I look at scriptures like this that says, God works all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, I'm beginning to wonder, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, like, what is the scripture talking about? And, and ironically and interestingly, uh, a lot of times what you will hear from sometimes preachers out there or teachers out there is that if you would just believe right, tithe right, think right, and do church right, then God will work all things out for you. I'm going to tell you right now that that is not true. That is not the word of God. Okay, Bible actually promises that in this world you will have many troubles. But be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. I don't know about you that my life hasn't been all smooth all the time. And so when the Bible says God works all things for the good, I believe it. So then my question is, then what is that good? What is that good? And, uh, you know, when you look at Scripture, you can't just take one Scripture out of its context and put your thoughts into the text. Theologically, we call this in hermeneutics, eisegesis. It's like putting your thoughts into the text instead of the text speaking into you, which is called exegesis, okay? So when we look at Scriptures like this, you have to look at it in context. Don't you hate it when people take your words out of context? Don't you hate it when people hear one word and mischaracterize you and spread all kinds of rumors that you said this? Don't you hate that? But the reality is we, we do this all the time, all over social media, all over the place. We take certain scriptures out and say, this is what it means. But if you look at this text, you have to read verse 29 in conjunction with verse 28 to understand what that good is. Let's look at verse 28 and verse 29. It says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who, are called, who have been called according to his purpose. For, so whenever you read the scriptures, whenever it says therefore, or for, or hence, or any of those kind of language, you want to see the flow of thought. And it says here, for those God foreknew, in verse 29, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, when the scripture says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined, let's be honest here, in the assemblies of God, we don't like to talk about predestination, okay? Um, This is not that kind of predestination. Talk about, it's talking about God's foreplanning or preordination of your life. How many of you are glad this morning that God has a plan for your life? That you're not just randomly going through life. That God is a sovereign God. When I came to this church, I saw on the sign of one of your major values that Jesus is the author of your story. I love that. Jesus 
is the author of our story. God is the author of our lives. And it says, what is he trying to do? He says, God preordained this for what? For what? Is to conform you into the image of the Son. Okay? Conform you into the image of the Son. In the word, the, the word conform in the, word, in the Greek is morphe. It's the word that uh, we get the word metamorphosis. It's kind of like the idea of a, a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. How many of you like uh, HGTV, house remodeling shows? Okay? Confess your sins in the church this morning. Uh, if you have an addiction, the altar is available for you. How many of you like Joanna Gaines and Magnolia? Okay, repent. Okay, repent. Okay, I'm sorry. I always get corrected. It's JoJo. If you don't know who she is, don't get started. Okay, because you need to come to the altar later on. So don't get started in this addiction. But how many, I, I don't know. I used to watch those shows, but now it's like all the same. Open house plan. Expand the kitchen into the living room. Can they come up with something different than open plan? You know what I mean? Every show is like expand the kitchen, connect it to the living room. Okay, fine, enough already. Okay, but, uh, but here's the reality. This kind of morphe or transformation that the Bible is talking about is not a behavioral modification alone. It's not the idea of some removing some walls, painting your house. It's, it's not that kind of remodeling. This kind of remodeling that Morphe talks about is actually demolishing and destroying the very foundation the house is built on. It's completely and utterly destroying that and rebuilding your house on the foundation of Christ upon the rock of Jesus and rebuilding your home. This is what it's talking about. God is not interested in just your behavioral modification. God's interested is interested in transforming your heart and your life to completely, utterly, and cha utterly change you to the image of Christ so that God can use your life for his purposes, for his glory, that as long as we're living on this earth, we ought to glorify God and be used on his mission. Amen. How many of you know today that uh, we are just passing through? This is not our home. And sometimes if we focus so much on making this world comfortable, you're going to miss what God is trying to do in your life. And so when the Bible says God works all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, that good is talking about using the circumstances and situations of, of your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because we live in a broken world that God is going to use all of those ingredients of life to transform you into the image of Christ, that your life would be poured out as a love offering just like Christ did to bring the nations to him. And that's what God is doing, and that's what the Scripture is talking about. Now, when I, was, um, when I, went to, when I came to Valley Forge, right, as a student, um, uh, I really was Christianed out, and I didn't want anything to do with too many services. You know, I, I was a missionary's kid, evangelist kid, pastor's kid, you name it, I was, I was it, okay? And so uh, I, I'm telling you right now that uh, I've, I've heard thousands of sermons, okay? I've memorized hymns, and I graduated seminary even before I was born. Um, 
I have picture to prove it because my dad was graduating from seminary and I was in my mother's womb graduating. And, uh, you know, I was just Christianed out. So when I came to Christian college at that time, uh, I, I really didn't want any part of it. So for a year and a half, oh, by the way, whenever I didn't know that chapel was mandatory. Okay, and uh, chapel is mandatory today too. Okay, but uh, I didn't know chapel was mandatory, but I had no idea that God was beginning to do his work in chapel in my life. But it was, took a year and a half, and uh, I was sitting one day back there, and the Lord touched my heart and made himself known to me. And, uh, you know, I, I always thought I knew God, and, uh, but I really didn't know that I was longing and hungering for belonging because I was moving from continent to continent. I never belonged. And Jesus was revealing himself to me, saying that I know you, you belong to me, and I love you. And uh, I remember weeping in that seat for over five hours, and I couldn't move. And uh, for the first time in my life, I understood that Jesus surrendered his life for me. That now that I can surrender because of his love and because of his surrender, now I could surrender my life to him. Amen? We can praise God for that. But, but when I surrendered my life to, to Christ, I really thought, I, I'm telling you right now, I really thought that it's going to be great. Okay, I was like, now I'm going to be a champion and take the world for Jesus. God's going to remove all the mountains. God's going to open doors. I was like, yes, let's go. <sighs> to say I was naive was a little, it's an understatement. I had no idea after surrendering my life to Christ that my father at the age of 58, after serving the Lord for 40 years in the mission field and church planting, he would die of leukemia. Uh, but that death was an eight-year-long battle with cancer. And uh, you got to understand something. I, I worked for a pretty large organization. Just the congregation itself was 5,000 people. We, uh, we had a global wing. I was building schools in Latin America. We had a very massive organization. And when you were working for a big organization, there are two things you experience often. One is a lot of babies. And the second is a lot of hospital and death. And uh, I have seen a lot of people die a painful death. But until even now, I have not yet met anyone who have suffered the way my father suffered in those eight years. And the Lord took him from this earth. And I remember going through that process and asking the Lord, where are you? Where are you, God? I was in the jungles of Kumasi with him, and I've seen. He was an inspirational. I mean, this is, he's the kind of missionary that all missionaries should be like. And I've seen his service. I've seen his sacrifice. And for the Lord to take him the way that he did. And it really broke me. I had no idea that after surrendering my life to Christ at Valley Forge in that moment, that my daughter, my, one of my daughters would be born with epilepsy. And uh, we couldn't sleep the first few years. Uh, my wife couldn't sleep. Every time she would lay her bed, uh, head to sleep, she would go into seizure. And she, it was just every night was an ordeal for years. And I remember one time we were, build, we were planting this Hispanic church in Jackson Heights. And I remember the launch team, we had an incredible prayer meeting. I remember thinking, God is going to do something awesome and great. I came home, my daughter went into seizure, and she wouldn't come out. 
And, uh, and, and I remember being, just, just know that when, you, when a child goes into seizure like that, you can either, uh, for, for an elongated time, you could either have uh, brain damage or she could die. And I remember being in the ambulance by myself holding my daughter's head and asking God, God, where are you? Where are you? I had no idea that when I surrendered my life to Christ that eventually God would move us from New York City to Ecuador and to, for a missions venture. We were starting a business as missions venture. And I moved my entire family at a very critical time in their development. And we moved there because we felt the leading of the Lord. And I was coming back from the farms one day. And uh, I was in a major car accident. An oncoming traffic swerved into our lane. And my driver, instead of slowing down, he jerked right. And we hit the only tree by the side of the road for 45 miles. Our pickup truck wrapped around the tree. This is 2013, January 7th. It wrapped around the tree and it crushed the right side of our truck and crushed my face. This eye that you're looking at right now, it's acrylic. It's not real. It's plastic eye. I lost my eye. I have three screws in my cheekbones. I had to have major reconstructive surgery in 2013. And we had to come back to the States. And uh, I remember being uh, keeled over in my brother's apartment. He was a youth pastor, actually not too far from here. Um, and uh, he was living in a two-bedroom apartment. His family of five. I have a family of six. I lost all the money. I lost the business. I lost missions. I lost vision. I lost health. I was keeled over and asking God, God, where are you? What's going on? What's going on? And I remember all through those seasons, the Lord asking me, am I enough for you? Am I enough for you? And I said, Lord, you're enough for me. I've cried many tears through all of those processes. And I tell you this, that although I went through a lot of times of ugliness and ups and downs, one thing I know for a fact is that God has never forsaken me and never left me. He has always been there to sustain me and walk me through those processes. And he was always working in my life through those circumstances and through those situations. We serve a God that we can trust. We serve a God that we can have faith in. How many of you have been to uh, youth camps and, and different places like that? You know what I'm talking about? Like, so I could tell you, like, have passion for Jesus. Have faith. When you're going through difficult times, have faith. I wish some of them would just explain how. You know what I mean? Because your ability to commit, your ability to have faith, your ability to trust is not enough when you're going through life difficulties and challenges like cancer and when a hurricane hits your home and you don't have a home anymore. Your passion is not enough. So the question I have is, on what foundation can I have this trust to know that God works all things for the good of those who love him? I love this text because it explains it. It's not just saying for you to have blind trust or claim something. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying here is there is a trust that you can have 
on the very foundation of what Christ has done for us and in our lives. Let's look at verse 31 and verse 32. It says this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And I love verse 32. This is, I hope you, I made these words by the power of the Holy Spirit penetrate deep into your hearts. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God did not spare his own son. I love the Apostle Paul. He does a lot of jab, 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 and hook. How many of you like Muhammad Ali? Okay. He was jabbing theologically, dancing around a little bit. Okay. And then he nails the upper hook in verse 32. It says, God did not spare his own son. I have four children. Three of them are teenage girls, gorgeous girls. My oldest is 19. My second is 17. My third is 15. There are three teenage girls. And my fourth is a surprise baby. Not to us. I mean, to us, but not to God. Amen? And uh, he's seven years old. My oldest, 19, is in college. She did not come to Valley Forge. I just need a moment. <laughs> she said, Dad, you are my grade school principal. You're not going to be my college president. <laughs> I still have hope that she would return because I don't, wanna miss her. I don't want her to miss out on the discipleship taking place at Valley Forge. And so, you know, students change their minds. You know, she could come back. Can you please intercede for my daughter to come back to Valley Forge? Thank you very much. Okay, can you nod your head if you're going to pray for her to come back to Valley Forge? Thank you very much. My son is seven, and he was born in Ecuador. He's an Ecuadorian citizen first. He really believes he's Ecuadorian. Um, if you ask him, okay, where are you from, he will say, I'm Ecuadorian, okay? If you think I had identity issues, please pray for my son as well. And uh, this boy dances everywhere he goes. I mean, I don't know what happened to him. My family's not like that. I mean, we're boring. Okay, but he's like always dancing. One time I saw him on TV, music came on, he's dancing. I come back after an hour and a half, he's still dancing. Okay, and when you say hello to him, he's dancing. Okay, and uh, I go to a lot of Hispanic churches to preach, and he would sit right in front of here, and I would be like, anybody from Ecuador, anybody from, you know, uh, you, know you know, whatever the country is, uh, to see who's in the room. As soon as I say Ecuador, he stands straight up. And raises his hand. Not only does he raise his hand, he looks around to see if there's other Ecuadorians in the room. And then when he sees one, he'll be like. I mean, I am not exaggerating. That's what he does. Okay, he's the most precious thing. When he gets hurt, everything breaks loose. Can you imagine three older sisters, my, my wife? Even if a little scratch, they're swarming, crying. Oh, my gosh, Elijah, what happened? What happened? Please pray for him. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I usually go up, what happened, Elijah? And he'd be like, he would look up and go, I just got a scratch. They're overreacting again, Dad. Okay, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? How many of you have kids who love your kids? Okay. I like you, Pastor Chris, but if you were going to get a scratch, I would never put my son in front of you to take the scratch for you. You know what I'm saying? Okay. 
That's how much I love my son. But I'm a wretched being. My, my love for my son is not perfect. It's not even the same hemisphere. It's not even the same galaxy as the love our father has for his son. And here's something that you need to know something about what it means when he says God did not spare his own son. Now, how many of you have seen like sexual predators of little kids? How many of you have seen sex trafficking? Okay. When you see people like that, don't you want to just, our justice system does not do justice. You know what I'm talking about? Like three meals a day in jail is not enough for these people. You know what I mean? The kind of indignation you feel, the kind of justice you feel, right? Can you imagine our holy God who is perfect in all of his ways, looking at all of the sins of the past of humanity and all the sins that's going on today, the vile and despicable sin of this earth. Even as we're sitting in this sanctuary, there are children being exploited. There are all kinds of people experiencing all kinds of injustice. Can you imagine the vile sins of this world? It says in the Bible that Jesus became sin and went to the cross and took the wrath of God. Imagine the wrath of God. For the sins of this world, it says Jesus went to the cross and took on the wrath of God. God said, God did not spare his own son. For who? For you and for me. We're talking about Sabbath here. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how many hours you rest. It's in whom you rest. Jesus is the Sabbath. Because if you cannot rest, your soul rests, no matter how much you rest physically, it's not rest. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have been to vacations and you come back more tired? Okay? Just thinking about stuff. But when you know that God did not spare his own son... No matter what we're going through in life, no matter what we're trying to accomplish, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. He's in the business of transforming your life to make your life on mission to use you for his glory. What can separate us from him? Who can be against us if God did not spare his own son? What can separate us? Can height, death, Angels, demons, death, life. What can separate us from the love of God? Can persecution, suffering, hardship. I don't know what you're going through today, but you can trust in the one. Because he did not spare his own son. I look fine on the outside. I was introduced as a president of a college, of a Christian college. If I were to put my thoughts, even yesterday, up on the screen, my life on the screen, I would not be able to stand here and speak to you. It's by the grace of our Father who did not spare his own son, I get to stand. We get to live this life. He is trustworthy. Amen. Would you all stand with me at this time? The worship team to come back. Here's what I want to tell you. We're going to pray here in a moment. But one thing I will tell you this morning is that this is not our home. Are you with me? 
this is not our home. I thank God every day that someday I'm going to see my dad again. And sometimes we will lose the physical battles here. Not everybody gets healed. Not everything we pray for will be answered the way we want it to be answered. It doesn't mean that God didn't answer you. How many of you know, like, when you're, you know, six-year-old looking at the world, you thought cotton candy machine in your room would be a good idea. And then a few years later, you realize that wasn't so good. How many of you still look back and go, thank God that God took me through that process, that God did not remove those hurdles or those pain and so at the time that I asked because I would have never learned the lessons, eternal lessons, eternal values, the things that matter for eternity. I hope that our eyes would be on the King of kings and Lord of lords, that when we're going through struggles and suffering and hardship, that we would learn to rest in Jesus, who is the author of our story. Would you bow your heads in a moment right now and just would you open your hands and begin to pray? I want you to begin to thank God for not sparing his own son. Would you begin to thank God and say, Lord, you are worthy of my trust. You are worthy of my hope that no matter what I'm going through right now, that I can trust you. If you did not spare your own son, how will you not also know what I need? All over this room, I would like you to make an altar where you are, just where you're standing. Just begin to commune with God and to say, Lord, I thank you and I trust you. Even though I, when I don't understand, even though the answers are not coming the way I want it to come, I trust you. If you did not spare your own son, how much more will you love and care for my life and know what I need? Just all over this room, we'll just begin to say, I trust you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. Just begin to continue to commune with God right now, Jesus.